Hey, welcome to Sweet Home Evangelical Church. Pastor Brian here. We're into June. It's awesome. Uh, you know, about 10 years ago, uh, my eyesight was getting worse. And the, the toughest time for me was on Sunday mornings when I was reading from my Bible. And people might have thought that I'm ad-libbing a little bit, reading from the Hotram Revised Version, being trying to be slightly entertaining. The problem was the font in my Bible was so small, I couldn't see it that well, and I'm, I really couldn't read it. I was just making it up. So I, I got a Bible with a bigger font, plus I got glasses so I could read. I resisted it for a while, but I decided glasses, not a sign of weakness. These are tools. Uh, to help me do what I want to do, and to help me in my work. And so I have several tools around. I got all kinds of different glasses. And, uh, you know, there's, there's times where it's, it's a struggle to focus. And, and my problem is my, my arms are a little too short, and I can't read it. And then when it's too far away, then it's too small. Uh, but uh, even if you don't wear glasses, you know, maybe you've, you've put somebody else's glasses on, you ever done that? Oh my goodness, everything's just this blurry mess and you can't focus. It's pretty wild sometimes. It actually gives you a headache if you have the wrong prescription sun, uh, eyeglasses on and you can't focus. And we understand struggling when it comes to eyesight, don't we? Just you struggle to focus when you just can't see it. Do you ever struggle to focus mentally? You ever struggle ment to mentally focus in on things? I, I had an all-day meeting in Portland on Friday, and I got home late Thursday, had to be up early Friday, went all-day meeting, and uh, boy, these all-day meetings, it's a struggle to focus sometimes. Uh, I, I remember, oh, many years ago, uh, they criticized Ronald Reagan because he was in his 70s, and they said, ah, he is old, and he nodded off a couple times in some of these all-day meetings, and, and so they say he's old and he's mentally unfit to be president because he kind of you know, fell asleep and nodded off during a meeting. Well, apparently I, I might be too old and mentally unfit to be president too. Uh, sometimes there just isn't enough coffee to keep you focused, is there? You ever struggle to focus spiritually? That's a tough one too. You know, maybe you're trying to read your Bible, and right now you got the Bible reading plan, and Pastor Brian has you reading in Second Chronicles, and you got all these names that nobody can pronounce, and your brain starts to wander. And then you try to pray, and then all of a sudden, you, uh, you start remembering everything that you need to do this week. Do you ever struggle to focus when you're faced with difficult circumstances or difficult people? It is so easy to get sidetracked and lose focus, isn't it? Today we're in Matthew chapter 17, and this is this amazing passage that could be looked at in different ways, but I think it's important that we look at the aspect of focus and seeing Jesus. This is a much different type of event than what we've seen about Jesus so far. This is what is called the transfiguration. 
That's a fancy word. It just means that Jesus is a transformer or something. His, his, his appearance was transformed. It was changed for a time there. We live in a day and age of, of movie effects, and you got the green screen and all that, and these computer-generated images, all kinds of camera tricks. And we can kind of imagine this event quite easily, really. Yet, let's keep in mind, this isn't something that was in front of a green screen out of a superhero movie, although Jesus is the ultimate superhero. Matthew chapter 17, first few verses here. Six days later... Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking to Jesus. The traditional site for this event is in Israel on Mount Tabor. It doesn't really say where it was uh, in the Bible, but they, you know, the traditional site in Israel is Mount Tabor. And that's where people go, and, and this is where they believe this took place. Along the north side of Israel, kind of on the north side of the country, there's a big valley that goes from left to right, or uh, <laughs> what, east to west. And, and this valley is the Valley of Megiddo. On the west side of that valley is Mount Carmel. Uh, that's where Elijah had his showdown with the prophets of Baal. Uh, the valley of Megiddo is also known as Har Megiddo or Armageddon. A lot of battles have taken place in this valley of Armageddon. And the book of Revelation tells us there will be at least one more battle that will be fought here one day. So Mount Carmel on, on the east side, on the west side, there are three hills uh, that they call mountains there. Uh, and the first one is, is Mount Mora. Uh, we see this in the book of Judges. Gideon was uh, uh, assembled army against the Midianites at, at Mount Mora. And this is where God said, Gideon, you got too many guys here. Uh, another mountain there is Mount Gilboa. Uh, this is the site where uh, King Saul died. Uh, in uh, battle with the Philistines, uh, King Saul died on the slopes of Mount Gilboa. And then the third of these hills is Mount Tabor. And Mount Tabor is where, in the book of Judges, Deborah and Barak gathered the army of Israel to fight against uh, the Canaanites. And Mount Tabor is this site that, where this took place here in Matthew 17. It's only about 12 miles uh, from the southeast corner of the Sea of Galilee, overlooking the valley of Armageddon. The last couple of weeks, we've looked at Jesus telling his disciples about how he would have to suffer and die on the cross in order to receive the crown of glory. And we talked a bit about the cross and the crown last Sunday and, and how Peter said, no, 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 you should have a crown without a cross. And that didn't quite work out. And we talked about last week, if anyone, Jesus said, if any of you want to be my follower, you need to take up your cross and follow me. And, and we get this picture of cross and crown there at the end of chapter 16. And thinking about this Mount of Transfiguration 
and, the Mount, and Mount Calvary, the place of crucifixion, we, we can see this picture of cross and crown. Mount Tabor is a place of glory, while Mount Calvary is a place of shame. Mount Tabor, Jesus' face and clothes glowed bright. On Mount Calvary, Jesus' clothes were taken and the soldiers gambled for them. On Mount Tabor, Jesus is surrounded by Moses and Elijah. On Mount Calvary, Jesus is surrounded by two thieves on the cross. On Mount Tabor, there was, uh, there was this bright cloud. And on Mount Calvary, there was darkness in the middle of the day. One is a place where we see just a, a glimpse, a small picture of the crown of glory of Jesus. On Mount Calvary, we see Jesus on the cross. Here at Mount Tabor, Jesus, he only took three disciples with him. He, he, just Peter and James and John. And we wonder, you know, part of me wondered why he took any of them. Uh, but he took them for a reason. Jesus had performed miracles, yet here he is revealing a bit more of his glory to these disciples. And it would be an encouragement to them later on. All right, let's, let's kind of back up here again, uh, this different passage here, Matthew 17, verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and he led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed, so that his face shone like the sun, his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking to Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified, fell faced on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. You catch the end there? And they saw only Jesus. It's really tough to focus on Jesus in this world, isn't it? I mean, glasses or not, it's tough to focus on Jesus with all that goes on. In a couple of weeks, our, our family, we've got a wedding for our, for our youngest girl, Maria. And uh, right after that, I'm heading off the denominational meetings these are some of the most consequential denominational meetings I think we've had in over 50 years. Uh, after that, we're, uh, we're going to get a little bit of vacation time in, not maybe a week. And, uh, you know, the economy is a mess. So everybody is it just costs an arm and a leg to go on vacation these days. There are so many social changes in our society and things we just don't understand. This world has gone crazy, and with all that's taking place, it is difficult to see Jesus and to focus on Jesus. It is so easy to be distracted. And what does the Bible say to us today? Number one, we're up to the outline, okay? I got a seven-point outline for you today, so hang on. Number one, we focus on Jesus instead of the supernatural. 
Focus on Jesus instead of the supernatural. This really was a supernatural event, wasn't it? When Jesus is glowing, it brings to mind the, the Shekinah glory glow that, that Moses experienced on Mount Sinai. Jesus was human, yet he was also God, and the glory of God was shining, showing up here. And, and sometimes it's difficult to focus on Jesus when we would rather be focused on the supernatural events. Uh, we want to see things. We want to see bright lights. We want to see visions of God. We want to see angels. We want to see miracles. There's some preachers in churches that get really worked up over signs and wonders because it's awesome. But remember back a few weeks ago, we were in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 1 there, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The guy, they're not Pharisee, and uh, the Pharisees show up and they want a sign that Jesus really is the Messiah. They, they've already got a hundred signs already, but they want just one more, and then they really will believe. And what did Jesus say? He said, stop looking for more signs, guys. And he told them in uh, chapter 16, a kind of a callback to chapter 12, he tells, says the only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. Uh, and, he, and he explained it in chapter 12. The sign of Jonah is Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. This, Jesus was going to be uh, crucified and buried for three days and then return on the third day. Don't focus on the supernatural. We, we want more and more signs. We want signs and wonders and miracles and things. Focus on Jesus. He is the one who died on the cross was buried in a tomb, and rose on the third day. We focus on Jesus instead of heroes. That's number two. We focus on Jesus instead of heroes. Verse 3 says, Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared talking with Jesus. First of all, how in the world did Peter and James and John know that these guys were Moses and Elijah? Did they have like name uh, badges or something, like a little sticker here? Hello, my name is Elijah. Uh, <laughs> I mean... It, it, it's not like they had pictures of Moses and Elijah, or maybe somehow they just knew. Whatever the case, Moses and Elijah are heroes of the Jewish people. If there was a Mount Rushmore, Moses and Elijah would be on that mount. Uh, just these guys were heroes for the Jewish people. We have heroes in our day and age too, don't we? Uh, there are celebrity pastors, aren't there? Uh, Megachurch pastors, and you know, they are big-time celebrity pastors, much more famous than I am. Uh, our culture has celebrities, and we have heroes. There's athletes and celebrities and billionaires. But the disciples, when they saw Moses and Elijah, that wasn't all that important, not in the long term anyway. In 2 Peter, uh, Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, he, he talks about this and he says, We saw Jesus' majestic splendor when, with our own eyes, when we received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. 
Peter doesn't even mention Moses and Elijah because as amazing as they were, it doesn't really matter. Our focus needs to be on Jesus and not the heroes we have in our culture, even heroes of the faith. Your faith doesn't depend on who your pastor is. It doesn't depend on Rick Warren or Greg Laurie or David Jeremiah or any of the, or Joel Osteen or any of those celebrity preachers. Our faith needs to focus on Jesus. Uh, number three, we focus on Jesus instead of the law. Focus on Jesus instead of the law. Moses was there with Jesus, and again, no idea how they knew it was Moses. Maybe Jesus told them later or something. Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. They crossed the Red Sea. There were adventures during these years in the wilderness and all of that. But during the time of Jesus, Moses was known as the one who received the law from God. Uh, there on Mount Sinai, there's the Ten Commandments and all the other laws that go along with it. Here's how to worship God. The Pharisees, they loved Moses because they were all about following the law. Too often we focus on the law. We think we're a good person because we follow the rules. And we look down on others because, well, they don't follow the law. Or at least they don't follow the laws that I follow. What does the Bible say? Galatians 3, verse 11, it says, So to be clear, no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Following the law is good, but that's not what saves you. It's not what gets you to heaven. It is our faith in Jesus. We need to focus on Jesus instead of the law. Number four, we focus on Jesus instead of preachers. Elijah was there with Jesus. Elijah, he's a representative of the prophets. He didn't write a book like many of the prophets, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, but he is a prophet. He, was, he represents the prophets. I mentioned Mount Tabor uh, is where this event took place, about a dozen miles from the Sea of Galilee. From the top of Mount Tabor, you look east across the Valley of Armageddon, the Valley of Megiddo, and off in the distance is Mount Carmel. On top of Mount Carmel, there is a monastery. In front of that monastery is a statue of Elijah. This is where one prophet of God stood up to King Ahab and hundreds of prophets of Baal. Now, I'm not normally afraid to take on controversial topics when I'm preaching, but I am nowhere near as brave a preacher as Elijah. Oh my goodness. Like all the other Old Testament prophets, Elijah spoke for God. He reminded people this is the law that, that Moses received from God. And he called them to get back to that old-time religion. As amazing as the prophets were, we don't focus on the preachers. We focus on Jesus. Peter got it later on. Peter writes in 2 Peter. He talks about his experience on, on that, that Mount of Transfiguration. And then Peter says in 2 Peter 1.20, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture 
ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. In pastor circles, uh, the big thing, oh, about the last 10 years or so, the big thing is coaching. Oh, you got to have a coach. You got to have a coach. You got to have coaching. And we got all these coaching networks. And, and I have been criticized uh, because I haven't hired someone to be my coach. And I'm, you know, as I look at this model of coaching these days, it just feels like life coaching. It feels like counseling over the phone and stuff. And, and I, my, my struggle with the whole coaching for pastors and some pastors, they do need some help. Uh, I'm not saying I'm perfect and don't need any help, but here's my problem with all this. 18 years ago, I, I was pastoring in Portland and I had a problem in my church. And I talked with four different pastors trying to get some advice from them on this matter. And then, and then I felt like the Lord spoke to me. And sometimes the Lord speaks to me and it's not that gentle, kind, wonderful voice. It is more of a correction type of situation. And the Lord spoke to me not so gently saying, stop trying to get someone else to solve your problems. I have sent my Holy Spirit to comfort you and to guide you and to direct you in your Christian life. You need to listen to me rather than to continually trying to seek the wisdom of other people that don't know everything. And I did know what to do. I just needed the courage to just do it. This is, this is why my prayer every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, my prayer is basically the same type of prayer. I pray that people, when they come to church, that they would listen to the Lord, that, that they would listen to the Lord more and listen to me a little bit less, because I, I'd rather have them listen for what God is saying than to remember everything that I say on Sunday morning. We, we focus on Jesus and not just what the preacher's saying. Number five, we need to focus on Jesus instead of tradition. Focus on Jesus instead of tradition. Moses and Elijah, they represented the great tradition that the Jews had. Uh, I mean, Moses, the Jewish culture and tradition had gone back for hundreds and hundreds of years uh, before Jesus ever showed up. Moses and Elijah, they represented this great tradition. And I love history. I love tradition. But the Pharisees, they also loved tradition. They loved it. I mean, they loved tradition. And it got to be a problem because they loved tradition more than they loved God. Jesus said to him in Mark chapter 7, verse 8, For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. That's, that's the problem there. Tradition and the law, that's good, but you need to focus on Jesus instead of tradition. Jesus said, you guys, you're substituting love for God with your traditions. I, I wrote a history book for our little denomination, uh, but, and, and I love our history, but I'm not all about preserving history and tradition and making sure we do it the same way. 
You see, the great leaders in the history of the church, people like Martin Luther, John Wesley, Billy Graham, they all did amazing things for God because they broke from tradition and they followed God in spite of the conventional wisdom of the day. Following God is more important than following the way we've always done things. We focus on Jesus instead of tradition. Number six, we focus on Jesus instead of power. Focus on him instead of just consolidating and getting as much power in our lives as we can. All of this is going on, this, this transfiguration experience. We're going to talk a little bit more about this next week too, but all this is going on and Peter gets nervous and Peter has to say something because he's Peter and he always has to say something. And so Peter wants to build three shelters. Hey, let's build three shelters, one for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then we can have this amazing attraction where people can come from miles around and they can come see Jesus and Moses and Elijah. And it'll be great. In Israel today, on top of Mount Tabor, there is a building. It's called the Church of the Transfiguration. That, that building is built on the place where Jesus said, we're not going to build a building here. <laughs> and they built one anyway. Along with Peter was James and John. And it's interesting how John responded to this. In John chapter 1, verse 14, John says, uh, So the Word became flesh, the Word became human, and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. They saw the glory of Jesus, they heard the voice of God. John didn't Later on, John didn't say, hey, you know, we missed our opportunity to run a tourist attraction and have all kinds of crowds show up. We were eyewitnesses to the power and glory of God who made and makes his dwelling among us. We don't focus on power. We don't focus on how much money we can make from running a gift shop and things like that. Focus on Jesus. Number seven, the last one, focus on Jesus instead of the real estate. We focus on Jesus instead of real estate. Peter wanted to build something because he thought this was holy ground. This is a sacred site because he saw something amazing there. You know, I, I, think, I think of Moses. Moses was there. I, th I think of Moses when, when God called Moses to go to Egypt. Remember that story back in Exodus chapter 3? There was this burning bush. And God told Moses, take off your shoes. Why? Because you are on holy ground. It, there's a song that we used to sing in the church uh, like in the 80s and 90s, we are standing on holy ground. Um, and, and we kind of get this picture here with the angel saying, you know, with God saying, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. But it wasn't the real estate that was holy. It was holy because of the presence of the holy God in that place. In Psalm 24, 
Uh, Psalm 24 starts out and it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's not just one place that is holy. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. For all of us, maybe, maybe you have some sacred sites in your life. This is a sacred place to you. Um, that old building over there that used to be the Lebanon Evangelical Church, that kind of a sacred site for me. I, that's where I learned to be a pastor, and I would sit in the balcony praying for God's direction uh, as I'm learning how to be a pastor there. Uh, Jennings Lodge Camp was a sacred site for me. Went there many, many years, my whole life. Um, we moved around a lot, but we always came back to Jennings Lodge Camp. That was a sacred site for me, and I'm, I'm sad it's not there anymore. This Sweet Home Evangelical Church building is a sacred site for me. Right here, I have done funerals for dear people who are in heaven. I've done weddings right here. I've done baptisms right over there in the baptismal tank. From right here in this place, I have preached over 600 Sunday morning sermons. This is a sacred site to me, yet it's not the real estate. It is special because of Jesus. And we focus on Jesus instead of the place. We focus on Jesus instead of the preachers. We focus on Jesus instead of the law and the rules. We focus on Jesus instead of just the tradition or the heroes or even the supernatural. There's all kinds of good things to focus on, but we want to make sure that we focus on Jesus above all those good things. Verse 8 there in Matthew 17, And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. Let me pray for you that this week you could see Jesus when you're struggling to focus. Even though this world offers so many distractions and alternatives, may we see only Jesus. Lord God, I thank you that you are with me all the time. In my life, there are places where I feel like I've experienced your presence in a special way, but it wasn't so much that place. It was because you were with me. Lord, this world offers so many distractions. This world has gone so crazy. There is absolute madness Yet, Lord, in all of this, help me to focus on you. I pray for each one watching, listening with me right now, that we could focus on you this day and this week. That we could set our sights upon you, lift our eyes above all the hustle and bustle, that we could see you. Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Lord bless you, my friends. Thanks for joining me.
Uh, join me on, on Tuesday at 2 when we'll have overtime, and I'll share with you the, uh, the things that didn't make it in the sermon because, uh, well, I, you know, it was too long. And uh, so, hey, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.